Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Hey everyone, Jordan here with the Startup to Scale podcast and excited for our conversation today with Janita Flowers, who's the founder of Janita's Jar. Welcome. Thank you, Jordan. So great to be here today. So for those who don't know, I'd love for you just to give a quick overview of what the company is and the products that you make. Awesome. So Janita's Jar is a mission-driven cookie company that's all about creating conversations to educate and eliminate relationship violence against women. And so what Janita's Jar represents is both the best years of my life from my childhood of spending time in the kitchen telling stories, baking with my ginormous family. I have seven brothers and sisters, my my parents, and then my grandmother would come over once we can help us prepare meals. And then taking some of the most difficult years of my life, some of the adult years when I spent time in an abusive relationship, bringing those two things together to create change. Because we know that we can connect with each other around food. We share cookies. We can learn and educate ourselves when we have conversation. So we spark conversation. And then it's just a way of enlightening and feeling good about ourselves personally and putting good into the world when we spread hope. So Janita's Jar is all about sharing cookies, sparking conversation, and spreading hope. We launched in 2018 in Minneapolis, in Minnesota. The journey as an entrepreneur, like any other entrepreneur, is extremely difficult. I just think we're wired in a way where we just lean into the hard spaces. Um, and so a lot of ups and downs, a lot of um, figuring things out as you go, a lot of head bumps, but a lot of wins, both emotionally, as um, I've been able to just experience the opportunity to overcome some of the hardest seasons in my life. And after just kind of putting in the work in in 2022, June of this year, we launched into Target nationally. And that's been an amazing, an amazing experience as I've spent so much time building this business. That is so incredibly powerful and taking just the the hardships that you went through and turning that into not just a, a positive for yourself, but being able to help others. I think that's incredibly, um, incredibly important. You know, I, I relate to that and having a big family. My mom was one of 13 kids. Wow. And so <laughs> I had um, a ton of aunts and uncles and probably about 60. Actually, the last time I counted was 60 cousins were probably up to 90. Um, so, <laughs> you know, just understand that feeling of like, you know, coming together as a family around food and mm-hmm. that being the center of, of love and conversation and argument and everything in between. Yes. Yes. There's, there's a sense of connection, you know, and I think when you grow up in a big family, it's very different because so many things are found within, which represents community. You know, you have you know, people your age. So then you have kind of peers that you can hang out with. You have the older people in the family. So there's some wisdom sources. You have so many rich stories and experiences because typically when your family is bigger and bigger, you're not all in the same areas. And so you're, my grandmother was from the South. And so hearing the stories of how they grew up and how that was so different for me growing up in the Midwest in the city. Um, and so there's just so much community that comes with being in a big family. Um, but then it can make an adjustment when you move outside of your family and start to explore the world in a bigger view. And that's where some of the struggles for me came in. Um, you're taking on some of those values that you that you built in your family and you go into the world, sometimes naive, but that's just kind of how it is. And you're trusting the whole world. And so then you, you 
navigate your way through life in a different way. And I wanted to take that different way and create change um, by creating conversation. Starting a food company is challenging. And yes. I know every every business has its challenges. I always say food is one of the, the toughest um, just because you're making product, the margins are fairly thin. It's all about volume at the end of the day, whether you're in lots of stores or selling a lot to a small number of people. Um, but I'd love to hear kind of your experience of what that journey of, of starting your company has been like and some of the lessons learned. It's extremely difficult. Um, I can say one of the things is in the Twin Cities in Minnesota, we have a really strong um, food support system. Um, there's still a lot of things that um, they're still trying to figure out and how to add to the ecosystem to better support food entrepreneurs. But I feel like I'm connected with resources within my community so that I'm, even though the experience is hard, I'm getting wisdom, knowledge, and input from people who have been there, people who work for some of the larger food companies in the Twin Cities. They have pro bono um, consulting um, arms within their company. And so they're able to offer some guidance when you talk about supply chain. So as I was trying to scale my cookie company, and how do I talk to a co-manufacturer? Um, how do you even go from, you know, basically, I feel like I'm going from this farmer's market, Janita operation to every time we grew, we kind of grew overnight, it felt like. So it's like, it wasn't this sort of, you know, you're just ramping up slowly. It's like, oh my God, like you want 15,000 units? Okay. Um, we just started yesterday. Like, you know, it was like, and then using that to sort of fund the journey, but those tough places. Well, how do you take what you were doing just in your own home kitchen and find a space where you can produce it and then produce it at scale and then investing in equipment because I can't afford to go to a co-manufacturer initially. Um, and so it's been really hard, but I've had the support system to be able to give the advice and be able to pivot a little bit more quickly as I'm learning and growing and trying to figure out how do I say yes to this next opportunity and know that my food, my cookies won't, the, the recipes won't suffer and I won't be able to, um, or I won't back out of my commitment of being able to deliver that volume to my customer. You know, one thing that's always a great start is your cookies are really good. I just finished a bag off about Thank 30 you. minutes ago and, and they're delicious, you know, they're, they're <laughs> crunchy, but they're not, um, overly, um, hard and like they're going to break your teeth off. And so they're like the perfect <laughs> balance. They're nice and they're small. So you can try and portion yourself, even though you probably ended up just eating the whole bag. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is all right too. Um, so I commend you on just creating a really delicious and, and fun product to, to eat. Um, you know, I'd be curious to learn more about how you've been integrating your mission into um, the company, you know, with my first, uh, my previous company, T-Squares, we also had a social mission. So we were um, making energy bars, but we did so in the Inglewood neighborhood of Chicago, which is one of the most economically disinvested neighborhoods. And we're higher um, from the community. It's actually where my family grew up. And so that was just really important to kind of give back to the community that raised me. Um, but I know it was also, you know, could be challenging at times and telling that story and having people question it in some ways, like, oh, how do you you know, optimize the business for, while having this social mission. And it sounds good, but there's a lot of people who thought and would make comments like, well, how does this really scale? What happens when you get bigger? What happens when you do this? And so I got a lot of questioning around it. So I would love to kind of hear your perspective on how you're integrating the mission into your company and where you want to go. It continues to change and evolve. And I think at the core of it all, as a survivor, um, relationship violence will always be 
um, a part of my story, a part of Janita's Jar, because it's a part of my narrative. And so we started out by hosting what we call Cookies and Conversations. And so I partner with student leadership organizations on college campuses. I bring in a panel of experts, typically a nurse practitioner, a therapist, and a survivor. And we'd lead a two-hour conversation series with college students because Young women between the ages of 18 to 24 are three times more likely to be in an abusive relationship during those years than any other time in their life. And so if we can get these young people talking about relationship violence, making connections with one another, they're more likely to ask for help. They're less likely to stay in the relationship longer and, and silently. And they'll, they're less likely to feel so alone because we're going to start to remove some of the shame. And so that's initially how we started. Then COVID hit and we couldn't meet in person. <laughs> That's when we leaned in and we redesigned our packaging um, because we couldn't meet in person. And um, so our packaging is purple, which represents relationship violence awareness. Um, I also did a TED talk in 2019. So we put our QR code. So really trying to lean into the message of hope in the packaging. And then now as we move into this um, next season of what, what our give back looks like, um, right now it's being a part of... Um, I serve on the board of a domestic violence shelter and I'm co-chairing their capital campaign. And so Janita's Jar is going to spend um, our resources and trying to help raise awareness and encourage financial support for Tubman um, during the October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And so as we continue to grow and evolve, um, we'll look at how we scale our give back portion, but it will always be part of Janita's Jar. But just like, you know, your product evolves and looks different, how we serve um, raising awareness will look different and we'll continue to optimize our mission with Janita's Jar. Yeah, and I think that's a good model for others to kind of follow as well. And that idea that everything in your business will involve and it'll still be important, but how it looks and feels just might change over time. And, and that's okay too, because you can make different impacts as the company grows to, to different sizes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned earlier that, um, inside the production facility is, is really loud. Are you is in your team making all the product yourselves or are you working with a manufacturer? So we started working with a co-manufacturer um, and when we were preparing for our launch this past spring, um, five weeks before our delivery date, um, my co-manufacturer just dropped us. Um, and they'd only produce half the product volume that they needed to produce. Well, we had already, I'd already invested in, in equipment. We were making it all ourselves. Um, and so we just had to, I mean, we were forced to have to do it. It wasn't what I thought I wanted to do. Um, and so we, we were forced to do it. And so we've been doing it ever since. And now we're looking, I'm looking at, I'm um, just expanding that, um, finding a bigger facility to build out the production. And really we're looking at workforce development, um, supporting women who are leaving abusive relationships as we begin to figure out how do we continue to have our mission. We're looking at adding the employment piece as a part of how we continue to support women who have been in abusive relationships. But that's, like again, we, that was not the plan um, of, you know, doing our own production. Um, but, you know, we're looking at that and trying to figure out how do we then make an impact with something that was really hard with our co-manufacturer dropping us. And we know that we won't always be able to do it in-house um, or we may be able to do it in-house, but then have to expand. And we're actually working with a facility in Illinois that will begin to take over some of our, our overflow production. Um, but we're looking at really being able to optimize how can we give back to our community and still be that voice of change while still serving our product. So that's and what Yeah, and I know that's uh, it's tough because we manufacture our own products as well. 
went to a co-manufacturer, they like couldn't make it well, had to bring it back in house, went to another one. They ended up dropping us. They got a million dollar order from a client and needed the full production time. We went out of stock at Whole Foods because we couldn't make our product. And so, you know, both are challenging, whether you're working yeah. with a manufacturer and or doing it yourself. Um, and so it's just really finding that journey that's that's best for you at the time. And similarly that it will change and evolve over, over the course of your your business. So um, I, I know some of the challenges. So I'm you know <laughs> good luck with with manufacturing. <laughs> yes, it is. It's it's a part of. It is not a walk in the park building a business. Um, you really have to love what you do. You have to feel good about the product that you're producing. And if there's a mission involved in your business, you got to feel the heart of the mission. Otherwise, you will not be able to make it in, in this in this journey. I'm curious and learn which part of the business have you found to be your favorite or that you feel like you have developed kind of a, a superpower around that you're like, oh, I really have excelled at like marketing or like building our facility and the operations part. Is there any part that you feel has been like the most rewarding or the most fun for you? You know, it really is building relationships. I guess they call that sales. Um, but really it's for me, it's making the connection, the human connection. And it's around, I'm not, it, I'm, I'm very clear. I sell a product. Like, you know, I have to be like, we are not a not-for-profit. We sell cookies. So we have to be able to, um, produce sales. So that's not lost on me, but really I've been able to do it in a way where I can build relationships where both the customer feels good about the purchase when they're purchasing for their company. Um, and then I feel good about the connection. So I would never consider myself like, you know, a top salesperson, a salesperson yeah. <laughs> but I really look at it as, as, as a relationship opportunity. Um, and then I've recently brought on a company that does, um, that's taken over a lot of our marketing and sales um, to help build out some of like some of the cold calling, some of those that I'm not good at. Um, I have a team that's supporting us in that, but otherwise the old fashioned build relationships, that's my, that's my sweet spot. No, I think that's really good. <laughs> I think that's really good because uh, relationships are so powerful, especially in this industry. A lot happens based on relationships. And it's funny because I was just talking to my wife, like every day I get like 10 cold LinkedIn messages, like trying to sell me something. And like, I don't even read them, I just hit delete. Um, and that's what a lot of people think that like sales is just very transactional. Um, but, you know, one of my, uh, my friends in this space, Yashavan, he has this quote um, that's, relationships compound transactions don't and he was talking about it from a, a kind of online sales perspective and working with influencers but it's true with everything that if you treat anything as transactional you might get one deal one sale one anything from it but it'll fall flat unless you actually build a relationship around it that is so true you know i think about and totally side note but my i think about my my mom's car like the, the, the guy who sold my mom her car that she just purchased a couple years ago, um, my mom is in her 70s. It's the same gentleman who sold cars to my parents when we were kids. Like some of my siblings have purchased, because he built a relationship with my family, not just selling a product. And so when you build that relationship, people are, tr they trust you. And I think that's across every industry. For us too, as food, you know, there's so much competition. And if you only care about the dollar, that comes across. And in some, maybe some cases that's okay, but people want to feel like they matter just like you want to know that your product matters and you got to figure out how to make it a win-win so that both people walk away feeling like you know what that added something to my life yeah i love that and i think that's so true especially when you're trying as you mentioned when you're trying to stand out because it's very competitive not just from a 
like us versus you standpoint, but no one has a lot of time anymore. People are over and double booked. And so how do you just stand out throughout throughout the noise? And I think building those relationships and being genuine pays um, pays dividends um, later down the road. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. I'm kind of curious, what's been the most surprising thing um, you've experienced while you've been building the business? You know, <laughs> probably the most surprising thing is um, and I don't even know if it's surprising, but it's been the thing that lingers is like, it, it really, the, the more you scale your company, um, it just gets more difficult. Like, it, and I'm just, just being, being real. Yeah. Um, you know, you find the joys in the journey and you know what, that you're committed, but you know, there comes like, Oh my God, like, when am I going to freaking sell out? Like, you know, you <laughs> think you're doing it for this long. It's like, what? Like it's something else that you have no idea and you got to learn a whole new set of skills so that you can just grow to this next level. So, you know, it's, um, I'm convinced now it, it doesn't get easier. It doesn't mean that you don't find joy in it. It doesn't really get easier until you are officially done and you've closed the chapter. Um, and then you get to reminisce on the wins and you get to celebrate your, your success in a different way. But as long as this journey is alive, I don't know that it gets easier. I mean, I still have a long way to go. I haven't experienced nearly the, all the things you can experience, um, but it's really hard. But I do know that I can do this because I, I do it in community. I do have a mastermind group. It's five women um, that I meet with every Friday. We all have different sizes in our businesses, uh, but we're all full businesses. Um, and we, you don't feel like you're by yourself. And, you know, everybody has different issues as we're building our businesses. And typically we're not all struggling on the same day. So we're able to like cheer each other on, um, but it's hard. And that's been the most eye-opening thing. Cause you think, okay, if I spend this much time, I'm good at it. This should get easy. It doesn't get easier. You, you just built better relationships so that you can pivot quicker. But I guess that's probably one of the biggest surprise, surprising moments I've had is like, man, this is hard still. Yeah. I, I totally agree. You're right. At the very beginning when you are, are getting started, or you're like, okay, it can't be this hard forever. Let me just get to the next step. Like, let me just start selling in Target. Like, once I get, like, that's harder than let me just get to Target. And it's like, once you're in, it's like, I have to sell through all these doors. I have to expand. And you, the, the, the scale, I was, you're right. Like, this, the scale of the problem actually increases because okay. instead of having, you know, if an order goes missing, that's like $100. That's a big deal when you're starting. But a year, a few years down the road, those orders become $20,000. And if that goes missing, then, you know, that's a much larger chunk of change that you're dealing with. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's not an easy road. I mean, there's so many wins and so many payoffs, but you know, people, it, it's, you, you, my hair is grayer. Right now, <laughs> because of this journey. <laughs> you know, I, in all my time, I probably have talked to over a thousand founders. I've met um, only maybe one or two who have actually said that the journey has gotten easier for them. Wow. <laughs> they have a superpower that I haven't tapped into yet. <laughs> well, well, I think, you know, it was interesting because I questioned them. There's one guy in particular on it. Um, and I think he's done a great job, but one, he found a great main contract manufacturer that he has a really good relationship with. And, they are able to produce products and kind of scale up accordingly so that he doesn't have any issues or fewer issues on the manufacturing side. And then they were able to find a pretty good like product market fit in the first year or so yeah. where they weren't 
um, quite profitable, but they were like almost break even just using the money to growth. So they didn't have this fear of like going out of business because they couldn't sell enough product. And it happened to be the right like product market fit and build finding good partners at the beginning to the point where you felt like, okay, now I can like steadily grow um, and take a couple of big risks along the way. But, um, mm. you know, it's been interesting because you're right, like literally 99% of the other people <laughs> have found yeah. that it gets harder as you grow. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so what's one area that you could use help with uh, for your business now? I always want to make sure that um, I'm able to help connect you with other people and resources to solve your problems. I think it's just learning how to scale efficiently and so that you can turn this ship quickly. Um, and whether that's, and when I say scale, whether that's, you know, when do you start to look at um, bringing in investors and when, like, you know, some of those pieces that gives you access to more resources. Um, but, you know, there's a risk in everything. And so that's kind of what I'm looking at now. And that's what I'm learning about now. So that's probably the area where um, I have the biggest learning curve at this stage. Yeah, we can definitely talk offline about that as well. But anyone listening, if you have tips or want to share experiences for scaling um, the business, maybe some do's and don'ts, um, Jania is open to to hearing those. Jania, thanks so much for being on. I am very excited to follow your journey and to be here as a supporter. I'm going to go eat another bag of cookies after we get off. Um, before my daughter wakes up and eats half the bag with me. So anyway, <laughs> so great having you on for the conversation today. Um, and we'll chat soon. It's been so great to meet you, Jordan. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.